What a perfect song this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Man, I'm glad to be home. Uh, I thank the Lord for Greg filling in last week, and I've heard nothing but wonderful remarks. And thank God for men like Greg and what they're doing. I look forward to Wednesday night with Brother Harris and his wife Phyllis. That's going to be a, a tremendous time of worship. Uh, and experiencing God speaking in our lives. Uh, and I bring you greetings from the Baptist Tabernacle uh, in Tallapoosa, Georgia. We had a great time. Thank you for all the prayers and words of encouragement. Brother Joey and his church, uh, God is doing a great work in their life. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity, uh, but I sure am glad to be home. And uh, be at Eastside. This morning I want us to look in Matthew chapter 9. God's word. If there's ever been a time where we need to experience Jesus, it's today. Uh, I've heard many prayer requests over the last week or so. And uh, I've seen in the past week, uh, one police officer in Georgia, two police officers in Ohio, that lost their lives. When they went to work that morning, they didn't plan on that. They knew it was a possibility, but they didn't plan on it. The officer in Locust Grove's wife is due at any moment. And uh, so our prayers for them. But it is not this whole idea of prayers going up, uh, prayers going out. It is not the healing process, nor the, the comfort that comes through our words of saying, we're praying for you, it's in the power of who we pray to. You know, we can talk all we want about praying for one another. The, the sad truth is, we say it a lot of times, we don't do it. But even when we do it, are we doing it to one and through one that can do something about it? You know, we can put all our hopes in government, we can put all of our hopes in modern medicine, we can put all of our hopes uh, in our own plans and strategies. But if we do not experience Jesus along the way, nothing else matters. Nothing. And we can take hope in knowing who Jesus is when we've experienced him. In chapter 9, over and over, we see the Lord doing a great work. Jesus doing this. And may I say, I get up here to preach this morning, but my last prayer is, God, please don't even let me get up there if I'm not experiencing you. May the words of my mouth, may the utterances of my heart be that which is the Lord. May when I speak, we, we experience the presence of who Jesus is. I think this message preached in the authority of of God by the Holy Spirit moving on our lives will change who we are. I believe our marriages can be changed. Our daily walk can be changed. Our outlook toward the future can be changed. Our physical ailments can be changed when we experience Jesus. Matthew 29, uh, Matthew 9, verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, 
the blind men came to him. Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yea, Lord. Yes, we absolutely positively believe. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they went when they had departed and spread abroad his fame in all that country. Here we have two blind men. Now, Jesus, I set the stage a little bit in experiencing Jesus. Already, he had healed a paralytic, a man who was paralyzed. Jesus, in the start of chapter 9, he comes by, a man's paralyzed, Jesus heals him. When Jesus gets there, he couldn't walk. When Jesus leaves, he's walking. That's a Jesus thing, amen? And then he goes and someone comes to him and says, hey, my daughter's sick unto death. And we know the daughter had died. And even on his way to do that, a lady sneaks through the crowd and and tries with not even sneaking, but with all her power, she knew if she could just get to the hem of his garment. She had so much faith. Listen, it's not that we are just uh, have a special connection, but that we have a connection at all with Jesus is special. And all of us, listen, it is so true. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And she came up and touched him and he said, who touched me? And his disciples being so greatly spiritual said, come on, Jesus, do you not see the crowd? Really? He said, yes, my power has gone out. And he turned and he looked at her and he said, your faith has made you whole. He goes on and he's raised this girl from the dead. And now he comes on his way trying to go home and get a little rest. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you've just poured it all out and you've done everything you can for everybody and then somebody else wants something else? But notice Jesus understood the intent of their heart. And so in experiencing them, uh, experiencing Jesus, we see, first of all, they heard of his performance. Now, I don't mean as a dog and pony show, but they had heard when Jesus said something, he did it. There's a lot of Jesus talk. A lot of Jesus talk. Listen, it's wonderful to read spiritual books and read after Christian authors, but we need to understand That the whole principle is Jesus is God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the great physician. Jesus is the great healer. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. And without Jesus, nothing is possible. He is the final authority. And they heard about this performance. Now I want you to notice they were blind. Right? They're blind. What does that mean? Can't see. I've told you about my sister-in-law. And she is completely blind. When she was a teenager, she could make out shapes and stuff. And, and, and well, at first she could see, and then it started fading. And then it was just shapes and uh, faint colors. And then the color went away to just, just really vague shapes. And then to the point that it was just darkness. 
She can't see. These two men couldn't see what was going on. They couldn't see. But they experienced something called faith. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by seeing. Oh, comes by hearing. And so they had heard all about this great performance. Well, first of all, look in verse 22. They had heard about his miracles. They heard about his miracles. Verse 22, Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. He heard, they heard about his great miracles. Have you ever heard of Jesus doing anything in anyone else's life? It's going to be a long morning. <laughs> Is Jesus still doing miracles? Yes. Do we really believe that? Or do we just say it because we say we believe that he's the miracle maker? Or do we really, really believe? Because our anxiety... And our stress level and the cautiousness that we approach life sometimes says otherwise. Can he change your brother? Can he heal your coworker? Now, whether he does or not is up to him. And we can never shake our fist at God and say, but God, I went to church and I prayed. Why didn't you heal them? Remember now, there's a thing called God's will. And some things are not God's will. But we come and when we pray, then our will is swallowed up in his. And we understood and understand that the greatest good is God's will and not ours. And so they experienced through their hearing, his miracles, they heard. Man, did you hear? Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, I'm talking about not over a six-year period, but maybe even a six-hour period. These two guys who, no doubt, misery loves company, right? We love to complain. And it's even better if we can get somebody to complain with us. And so these two guys... They're just sitting around and they're, woe is me. We're blind. You know, we're depending on everyone else for everything else. Man, this is, this is such a drag. I mean, I don't know if they've been blind from birth. I don't, I don't know. But I do know they could not see. And so they just kind of were together. Now, the Bible says the blind leads the blind where they go. Into the ditch. That's what it says. That if the blind leave the blind, they both fall into a ditch. So both of these guys are blind. They don't know which way to go. But what they do know is they're hearing something. They're hearing about Jesus doing a work. They're hearing about Jesus healing a man who is paralyzed. They hear. Listen, can you imagine this? They hear that he has raised a young girl from the dead. Y'all believe that? Is this the same Jesus we worship? Then it ought to be just as real today as it was to these two blind men when they heard about it. We need to remember through our spiritual hearing, 
that faith is triggered that Jesus is the raiser of the dead. Jesus is the healer of the sick. Jesus is, period. Amen? They heard of his performance. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? Wednesday night we're going to hear from the word of God. To encourage us, Sunday morning, during Sunday school, we hear the prepared lesson of studying and diving into the Word of God on Sunday nights during small groups and family worship and through our youth group and through our our children's ministries and through all of these things on Saturdays at at halftime and uh, between games and during practice, we're going into the Word of God. I came Thursday night for practice. And they're down here running around like herding cats and I mean, they're having a ball, man. They're having a ball. And all of a sudden, one of the coaches got them all up around and said, come here, come here, come here. Uh, take a break for a second. Hold the ball. Come here. Said, tell Brother Matt your memory verse. Now, this is basketball. I, you know, my world's eyes is church is church and ball is ball. And ball's more important if it interferes. I'm telling you what the world says. But not here. And these children all come up and they said, tell the preacher your memory verse. And man, they quoted John 3, 16 like it wasn't nobody's business. They'd just been given that verse the week before. And they're quoting the Bible. Don't tell me that we can't reach kids through basketball, through baseball, through sports and through uh, uh, arts and crafts and vacation Bible school. We need to understand when people hear who Jesus is, God quickens it in their heart. See, we want to see it. I've heard more and more lately. People says, I just, I, I, I can't see Jesus. I can't see him. They say that the millennial generation wants proof more than any other generation in the past. They don't want to hear that you love them. They want to see it. They don't want to hear that ch- church is good. They want to see it. They've got, they, they want to hold on to it. And look, a lot of that's not bad, church. A lot of that's not bad. But we need to understand, if we're waiting for this apparition, if we're waiting like some big uh, mega church campus where a hologram is beamed in, then we're going to wait too long. But if we will open our spiritual ears, what did he tell the seven churches in the first three chapters of Revelation? How were they to experience the Lord? Those who have ears to hear. It's ears of faith. It's hearing. God, who are you? What do you want to do in my life? But if we start trying to look, listen, we'll make everything spiritual. We'll make that rock out there spiritual. And it leads to pantheism. It leads to uh, uh, false doctrine. And it'll lead us straight out of the church. When we start thinking we've got to put our hands and hold on. Just like the Hebrews did with a golden calf. They heard of his performance through his miracles. He tells us. In Hebrews eleven six, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For if we're to believe, he said, well, let me just read it to you. This is good. This is the faith chapter. The hall of faith. 
He says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, listen to this. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Believe that he is what? That he is. Moses said, who do I say sent me? He said, you tell him I am sent you. You've got to believe I am. Believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. These two blind men were on the right track. They heard of his performance through his miracles. But notice something very, very important. They didn't look at him as a passing fancy. They did not look at him as a spare tire to get out because they had a blowout in life. They did not look at him as something to get us through the rainy cold months. They saw him for who he is. Through their hearing, they heard of his mission. Look in verse 27. We know by their testimony. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying. This is what they said. Thou son of David... Have mercy on us. Now, what does that mean? It seems like a very short, pithy little quote, but it holds such dramatic meaning. First of all, it sees him for who he is and sees them for what they're not. It says, thou son of David. We need to understand through the hearing of this performance, hearing these miracles, look, my sister-in-law can, and I've told you, she can play anything on the piano. If you call out any number in the old church hymnal, the old Stamps Baxter Red Book hymnal, you can call out any number. You ain't got to tell her a key. You don't have to tell her how many sharps, flats. All you, you don't have to give her the title. You just call out a number, and she'll start playing it. And look, she'll play all four verses if you want to. She'll even play the third verse. It's amazing. But see, they say that those who are blind, their other senses become sharp. You don't whisper around her, I can tell you that. You don't whisper around her. Because she will hear everything that you say. Listen, these two men began to hear. And they didn't have time for their eyes to wander somewhere else. They heard. And it began to sink into their heart. And they confessed. They said, thou son of David. Why? Because in these miracles... All the Old Testament that they had heard growing up began to flood into their life. And their spirit began to cry with the Lord's spirit. And in faith that God gave them, they cried out, you're the man. You are the, you're not a man, you're the man. You're not just a, a, a prophet, you're the prophet. You're not just a healer, you're the healer. You are the son of David. When you read the Old Testament, coupled with the New Testament, you see through the genealogical importance, and you see the, the lineage of David, and you understand even from where he talks about being made a footstool and bowing down, and then how he, he quotes that and asks a question in the Gospels, we understand that when they said this, they're saying, you're the Messiah. You are the Messiah. You are the very Son of the living God. You are God incarnate who has come to this life. They heard of his mission, thou son of David. You see, faith is the key that will unlock the door. 
If we keep trying to make it happen, it'll be like trying to drive a square peg in a round hole. Just not meant to be. But when we allow God to do it, listen, dads, is there anything more satisfying? Is there anything more satisfying than your kid when you're trying to help them? When your child is trying to do something and you want to kind of show them how to do it. And they say, no, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I can do it. And they mess with that thing. They can't do it. And you walk up there and finally they get frustrated and all you do, you sit and you've watched everything that's going on, and you just walk up there and just tweak it one little second. And it, is there anything more satisfying than that? And just walk off. I will tell you, it happened to me one time. I had an old Mossberg shotgun. And I, I was going turkey hunt with it, and so I got the biggest, baddest magnum shells you could buy for it. And the first time I pulled the trigger on that thing, it's not, it wasn't the most expensive shotgun in the world. The firing pin rode inside a firing pin assembly. And when that shotgun shell went off, it blasted the firing pin backwards and it wouldn't come back down to where it should be. And so it was messed up. And I thought I was going to have to spend all this money. And I took it apart, man. I'm, and I'm, I'm a hunter and I grew up hunting, fishing and all this stuff. And I can fix it, I can fix it, I can fix it. And I, told, I just mentioned it to one guy one day. Mentioned it to an older guy. I said, man, I've done everything. I have these Mossbergs, piece of junk, might as well throw it apart. If I have to fix it every time by parts. He said, what's the matter with it? And I told him, he said, bring it to me. And I brought it over there to him. I said, see this thing? Well, he said, grabbed a pair of pliers, pulled that firing pin back, turned it 90 degrees, and it fell right back in. Because it was flat on the sides and oval or shaped on the top and the bottom. All he had to do is, and I mean, 12 seconds it was done. Pull it out and turn it. And I was like, golly, I can't believe. You know, well, I'm here to tell you, there's people who have walked the path in front of us. They have experienced Jesus. They know, but greater than that, they know they couldn't do it without him. They, listen, we've got to understand the Lord is the key. Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're all spiritually blind. We cannot see. No one has a special viewfinder to heaven. But what we do have is Jesus. You see, through this faith, this key opened up the door. And so they began to follow, crying out. And here we see not only that they heard of his performance, they experienced his mercy. They experienced his mercy. Notice what it said. They cried, first of all, for it. Do you hear them saying, Lord, heal us, we're blind? All of us have problems. If I ask right now how many truly have an unspoken request, I have no doubt everybody's hand to go up. We all have burdens to bear. We all have issues in life. We have family members. We have friends. We have physical Ailments, we have financial issues, we have family and relational situations. We all have issues, all of us. And we're going to have them till the day we die. But we need to understand when we 
come before the Lord. And I don't believe in praying amiss. I believe that we ought to call these things out before the God. But we need to understand the greatest thing we need is mercy. Because nobody, nobody deserves God. He's a holy God. Do you understand that's why the cross stood and separated time because of God's holiness? Yes, God's love that these kids quoted to me the other night. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. Why? Why? Why did he need to do that? Because his holiness demanded in the face of sin judgment. God is just as much a just God as a loving God. And so when those two parallel rails run together, his love is equal to that justice, but his justice demands a sacrifice. And so Jesus was the only one who could come. And Jesus fulfilled it at the cross. And because of that, we can cry, Lord, have mercy on us. Man, have mercy. Oh, Lord, I need mercy. Because I mess up so bad. Such a failure at everything. But Jesus says, that's all right. Everybody else is too besides me. Everyone. Come short of the glory of God. Listen, young people, don't look around and compare. Don't say, well, compared to them, I'm all right. No, you're not. Or compared to them, I'm not handsome. I'm not pretty. I'm not smart. Listen, God loves you. What you need to pray is for mercy. They said, oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. And they experienced this. Why? What is that whole idea of mercy? It's compassion. First of all, it was compassion for the situation. We know they were healed. Their eyes were healed. But they went and began to proclaim it because it was more than just compassion for the situation. Jesus had compassion for their souls. Why did Jesus do miracles anyway? Why did, why did he do that? Couldn't he have done whatever he wanted to without miracles? Yes. Why did he walk on the water? Why did he raise Lazarus? Why did he go up there when the waters were stirring, the man couldn't get in to be healed? Why did he heal him? Why did he do all those kinds of things? It was to show he was the son of God. But they, well, listen, we don't come to God and say, I believe in miracles, save me. No, we believe in the miracle doer. It drives us to see him for who he is. It is the fact that he has compassion for the situation. But listen, a lot of our situations in life is to draw us to his presence so that we may sit down and bask in his mercy. Every bad situation is not the end. It's not. Sometimes what looks like the absolute worst possible scenario in our life turns out to be the one thing, the linchpin that God gets our attention with. I've heard guys talking about, listen, greatest thing that ever happened to me was I got caught and went to jail. If I wouldn't have, I would have died of a heroin overdose. I would have got shot in a gang war. I have no doubt I would have died in that lifestyle had I not been arrested. When they arrested me, put cuffs on me, uh, 
took my picture and locked me up for 10 years. I thought it was the absolute worst thing that could have ever happened in my life. But being locked up, I found freedom in Jesus Christ. Some people will testify today the best thing ever happened to them was getting cancer. That's hard for me to even say. But I've heard the testimony. That God, through a chaplain, through a family member, someone else, they were so hardened in their heart, they didn't believe they needed God because everything was fine. They never went to a doctor a day in their life. But the day they got sick, and they went, and they realized they really were not all that. And they broke. God spoke to their heart. And they realized the vast difference between their failed works and the grace of God that never fails. They cried, oh God, have mercy on me. And he did. Because he has compassion for our souls. Notice something that was very unique about this. It says, these blind men, plural, when Jesus was coming to the house, they, the blind men, plural, came to him. And they said unto, or he spoke unto them, plural, and they, plural, spoke unto Jesus. Here's the point. It was one prayer, but it was unified in both voices. Now, he says that if two walk together in agreement, great things are possible. It's when the two are blind to the world, they fall into a ditch. Church, you want to see great things, and I believe God is doing great things at Eastside. I really do. I believe God is doing great things in other churches. We had a great time this week. Man, young people just flowing out their ears, coming to the altar, lives being changed. I mean, it was wonderful. But we need to understand, if we're not in agreement that Jesus is Lord, if we do not believe that God's word changes lives, if we do not pull together and pray together, pray bearing one another's burdens, if you are sitting here and there are other church members you don't even know their first name, we've got to ask, are we pulling in the same direction? So, well, I just, it's so busy and there's so many doors. Make a point. Get to know someone. Sit at a table beside the same table you always sit at. Go to the door first this morning. Go out there and greet people when they come out. We need to be praying together that God, because I'm going to tell you, we need the Lord. Church, we need the Lord. We need the Lord. I've got an 18 and a 20 year old. I've got a marriage of 28 and a half years. I need you to pray with me. I do. Satan would love to have my family. He'd love to have my children. He'd love to have my life. And I need to pray with you because I know Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whomever he may devour. And I need to be praying with you. These two guys prayed together and you know what? In their unification, the Lord completely healed them. But we need to see sometimes it's not the eyes that are healed but the heart's. Because he had compassion for who they were. They experienced his presence. Don't you like when the Lord's just moving? Man, I've heard a lot of great things from last Sunday morning. Brother Greg did a great job. And, you know, the last month or so has just been phenomenal. The singing, 
Joellen, you did great this morning. Wonderful song. Michelle, I mean, just speaking these words of, of seeing Jesus and being with Jesus and loving Jesus. Choir, I mean, it thrills my heart. And, and when we sing, oh, you're a good, good father, how can you sing that without just humbling yourself as a child before the very presence of our Heavenly Father. Man, God is moving. And when we see that, we see a unification and we see a presence that we so desperately need. I want, listen, it's not about emotionalism. Please don't, don't take me wrong. But I do believe that when God passes through the midst, it'll be just like this. People will be crying out, Oh God, save me. Oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, you're the greatest. And praise and glory will rise above the noise when Jesus' presence is there. Now who has authority at Esau? It's not me. It's not the deacons. It's not the oldest member. Listen, if Jesus doesn't have authority, then all we are is a civic community organization. That's right, amen. It's all we are. And if we are, we're probably the worst one there is. Because we don't require attendance. We don't charge you a fine if you don't come. Yeah. You go to Rotary, they will. I've been there as a guest. They'll bring open charges against you. It's hilarious. But church, we're a family. And the greatest thing we can pray for is, oh God, may your presence dwell in our church. You know, when you come back for small groups tonight or choir practice, it thrilled me to death. I was reading something the other day, and a friend of mine had put on there and said, man, we just got out of one of the greatest choir practices I've ever been in. I'm like, do what? That's an oxymoron, isn't it? Great choir practice. Really, those words can go together? Man, they were praising God. It said just Jesus' presence was all in that choir practice. When we walk into that choir room, that ought to be our heart. When we go to minister, it, that ought to be our heart. Yesterday, I had the opportunity just to stand back and watch our students walk up, help people get laundry out of their car, put it in the machines, and pay for it. And these people were blown away. Several of them said, no, 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 you don't, no, you don't need. And they even, some refused, and one deacon from another church uh, he, he actually left some money. But we, we tried not to take no for an answer. said, listen, don't steal our blessing. God sent us here. We just want to bless you. And one of our students said they noticed we paid for theirs. And when they got all their stuff folded and ready to go, and our, our youth grabbed the stuff to carry it back to their car, they turned around and put money back in the machine for whoever would be next. Now, I'm not talking about that karma, worldly, ungodly mess. I'm talking about the evidence of God. These men, when God healed them, what did they do? They went and told everybody else. When God's presence is real in your life, you will understand he is available. He was there. Jesus is there. When you need him, he's there. When you need him on the job, he's there. When you need him on the court, he's there. When you need him in the classroom, he's there. When you need him in the pulpit, he's there. But we've got to call out with our spiritual hearing, Oh God, Son of David, have mercy on me. I can't do this without you. 
I can't be a father. I can't be a brother. I can't be a son. I can't be a pastor. I can't be a friend. I can't be a chaplain. I can't be anything without you. They experienced his presence, that he was available, but that he was approachable. We, man, can you imagine being part of a religion that says you got to go through somebody else to get to Jesus? Our Jesus, the Son of the living God, didn't come to this world, die on a cross for us to have to go through some big long process to get to him. That we can come boldly to the throne of God through Jesus. Jesus is the intercessor, not somebody else. His mother gave birth to him, a virgin, but we don't have to go through her to get to her son. We don't have to appease him through her. We don't have to appease him through some self demeaning We already know we're a sinner when we approach the Son of God. We need to understand Jesus is approachable. So I don't know how to pray. Listen, what did they pray some big long <laughs> theological prayer? Oh Lord, I pray in thou sonest of David's name, therefore and hereto I beseech thee through the old covenant and by the penitude of your great man Moses. No, they said, son of David, have mercy on me. Just open your heart and call on me. Just pray. Just pray. You know what the disciples said? Lord, teach us how to pray. You'll grow in your prayer life the more you pray. But we need to understand Jesus is approachable. Just go to him. He was there. And, and notice, they didn't just meet him in the street. They followed him, and they went to his house. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more people don't want you at their house. Am I right? Man, I can grow. I, I remember growing up, my grandparents, my granddad, he'd just drop in on anybody, and we'd just go in. I ride through town. I'm like, I've been in that house. How did it? Oh, it was a granddaddy. And people just knocked on, you know, they just walk up, and doors open. Hey, you know. But now we get home, we want to lock it up, shut her down, turn on the security alarm, and leave us alone. But they went to the house. And Jesus didn't say, listen, I'm done for the day. You need to see me between 9 and 5. You need to make an appointment with my secretary. You need to talk to him. We'll try to pencil you in, get you in about a week from next Tuesday. How's that? Aren't you glad Jesus is better than the average doctor's office? When you need him, he's there. He's available. And he's approachable. But finally, they experienced his power. Look in verse 28. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Do you believe? Believe ye that I'm able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He's able. No big long points here. If you, get, if you miss everything else, get this this morning. To experience the Lord through faith, believing He is and that He is a rewarder to those who diligently seek Him, understand when you get there, He's able. He's able. Now, I talked about the shotgun deal before, but I've went to some people that are supposedly experts on certain things. They say, I can't do nothing for you. I don't know how to do that. And go through all kind of stuff and can't be done. I had a computer crash one time. I had all kinds of 
Well, matter of fact, lightning struck it. We were in Jamaica on a mission trip, got home late one night, lightning struck the house, cooked all the TVs, cooked all the cordless phones. It had cooked our uh, uh, security system so that I had to rip the siren out of the ceiling at 12 o'clock and only the next day to figure out that it had cooked my computer too. Every bit of my first master's work was on that computer. And don't tell me you didn't download hard drive. You don't either. <laughs> it was gone. So what I went, I said, listen, I've heard this. They said, well, you may have heard of it, but I don't know of anybody that can do it. And I went, I said, look, I'll pay whatever it takes. You know, I want, if you can somehow, I've watched, hey, they do it on NCIS. And this burn up, and they shoot a missile through it. And they can still do it. Well, you go find whoever does that for NCIS because real world can't be done. It's gone. Now, in, in real life, all I did was took a hunk of metal with some electronic stuff inside that was fried and I threw it in a dumpster. In my mind, I was throwing away hours and hours and weeks and weeks and months and months of work. But in essence, it was nothing because it couldn't be fixed. Why do we keep going to things, the beggarly elements of this world, thinking they can fix our problems when we know only Jesus and he is able? And then we see they experienced his pleasure. He touched them. He touched them. It was his pleasure. It's what he wanted to do. You know, they said, what's your pleasure? I mean, what do you want? Well, Jesus' pleasure was he wanted to heal them. Can I tell you today, Jesus wants a real life, everyday relationship where you get to experience who he is in your life. He wants to bless you. Now, I'm not talking about pile your money up. I'm not talking about all your physical ailments be gone. Listen, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about walking, talking, living, breathing, experiencing the fullness of who Jesus is in your life. So that when you're in your Paul's dungeon, when you're in the midst of your tribulation like others, you can, like James say, count it all joy. Because you're in the midst of the Savior. As they come to the instruments this morning. Are you experiencing Jesus I'm not talking about knowing about Jesus. I'm not talking about reading about Jesus. I'm not talking about singing about. I'm talking about experiencing Him. Experiencing Him. One of the greatest things that's happened, as far as I'm concerned, in technology is not just the HD viewing of the TV, but the surround sound. I love the surround sound. And the first time we got a system like that, and we had the TV on, and Becky was in another room, and drag racing was on. I love drag racing. And so it come time that the biggest, baddest, top fuel, funny cars, whatever they were, they got lined up there, and I saw it coming, and they pre-staged, and I got the remote, and I said, okay, we're fixing to rock this world. And I started hitting that volume, I turned it up, I turned it up, I turned it up, and you still, you just hear, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it was starting to rattle a little bit, but when they hit the throttle, and that, that volume was all the way up, and it began to rattle all the furniture in the house, Becky's screaming, what in the world's going on? 
I was like, yeah, I need more of that. It was that experience. It was almost like being there. Well, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't there. Becky made me turn it back down. In our life, we try to turn the volume up on this world. And for a little bit, it'll thrill us, but it's still not real. It gets turned back down. But you can have the real thing. You can walk into the very presence of the one who will rock your world. And today, as blind men and women, students before Jesus, realizing He'll raise the paralyzed. He will bring the dead to life. He will heal an issue of blood. He will do whatever He wants. Why? Why would you not want to come and pray, Lord, have mercy on me. If you need to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going through life blind. And you're listening to the world. You're listening to other things. And you're thinking, somehow I'm going to get there. Come experience Jesus today. Believe that He is. And those of you who are saved, but you've never followed in believer's baptism, this morning you need to come take me by the hand and say, I have been saved, but I need to take the next step and tell the world, Jesus saved me and I need to be baptized. You need to come join Eastside and make a commitment to serve the Lord with gladness and experiencing His compassion, you share it with others. You need to come. If you just need to come and say, Lord, I got so much on my heart, I don't even know how to pray. Lord, have mercy on me. Come to Jesus. Experience Him today. When they left, they were not the same, were they? How would you like to leave here today different than when you got here? Come to Jesus. Stand and come. Come to the one who can do something about it.